Again, thank you so much for allowing us to be with you all today. It's a blessing to get to hear some of the teens' testimonies from camp. Camp played a big part of my life growing up, and as you continue to make those decisions and take the next step of obedience, it's, it's the most marvelous thing you can do with your life is following the Lord, whether that takes you to China like Cameron or <laughs> England like us, is <laughs> whatever it may be. It, it, it's worth following him. Go ahead and open up your Bibles to the book of 1 Samuel. We're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 14. As we were driving up here, we, we've, we've for a long time uh, been really interested in the Seattle area. I love coffee, so a, a lot of that was because of that. And so, you know, the, the, the kind of, that's, that's ground zero for coffee. But, but, but in any case, though, as we were driving in, we were looking up some population densities. I'm a nerd. I've always been a nerd, so I love population densities. I'm a city slicker. And give you an idea of Manchester, um, the Seattle-Tacoma metro area, which if you didn't know that, you're a part of it, um, here in Puyallup. Um, yeah. I, I forgot who it was, but someone gave me the, the key, Pew and Wallop. I, I um, that was helpful. That was very helpful. Um, but, but in any case, so you have about 3.9 million in the Seattle-Tacoma metro area. Um, that is about 5,000 square miles. And in Manchester, they have 3.4 million people in uh, 44 square miles. So if that gives you an idea of density, it's a very dense city. Um, but that, I, I like stuff like that because I'm a nerd. So there you go. That's your, that's your factoid for the day. Um, we're we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 14. This has become one of my favorite stories from the Old Testament. And God really laid it on my heart and my wife's heart kind of separately as we were going through our devotions in anticipation of our survey trip in England. Um, we were reading through the Old Testament and separately this specific character and this specific story about the character of Jonathan really just jumped off the page at us and it has really become meaningful in our approach to our survey trip and now deputation and even as we move towards England. That I hope can be a blessing to you all this evening. Before we open up God's word and read it, let's, let's open up in a word of prayer though. Dear Lord, would you please bless these next minutes we spend together as we consider your word this incredible story from it, Lord, as we endeavor to serve you, whether it be right here or as many of these teens are going to go back to school soon, Lord, or the adults and even Brian Baptist as they embark on another year in their history here at Berean Baptist Church, Lord. Would you just help us to have a God-honoring mindset and a faith-filled mindset just like Jonathan did in this story, Lord? Please speak to us over the next few minutes. Enable me to communicate your word clearly. Help us to be submitted to what your spirit would say. We ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and stand up to honor the reading of God's word. I'm going to read 1 Samuel 14, and we're going to start in verse 1, then we're going to jump down several verses to verse 6. It says there in verse 1, Now it came to pass upon a day that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said unto the young man that bare his armor, Come, and let us go over to the Philistines' garrison that is on the other side. But he told not his father. And then we're going to jump down to verse 6. And it says there, And Jonathan said to the young man that bare his armor, Come, and let us go over unto the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us. For there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. And then his armor-bearer's response is, says, His armor-bearer said unto him, Do all that is in thine heart. Turn thee. Behold, I am with thee according to thy heart. You can go ahead and be seated now. In this, this particular passage, 
Saul hasn't been king very long over the nation of Israel, and as is often the case, they are doing battle with the Philistines, some of, some of their most probably notable enemies in the Old Testament, especially in this period of time of Saul and King David. And, and they're, they're warring with them as they often were. And in this particular battle, in this really particular campaign, they're really on their heels. Um, they're not in a good place as a nation. Saul has recently become king, and the nation was really hoping that he would be able to rally the, the nation of Israel together and in a lot of ways conquer people like the Philistines who had, who had really been for a long time just antagonizing the Israelites. And so at this, in this particular battle, though, that is, that is quite the opposite of what's happening um, Israel, at this point, it says, if we were to read, Saul has about 600 men, and they're camped out underneath and around a tree, and the battle's going very poorly for them. There really are hardly any weapons, even among the Israelite army. The Bible tells us that most of them are using really sharpened farming utensils as weapons. Um, in a lot of ways, they're just backed into a corner. It doesn't appear like there's going to be any hope of them winning. It's really a very desperate situation for Israel, for the nation, with their new king, and in the midst of all of this, we get to chapter 14, verse 1. I love the way it opens. I, I, I was uh, pursuing an English degree before I went to Bible college. My dream was to be an English professor and a writer. So I love the way it opens. This is a true story, but it says there at the beginning, now it came to pass upon a day. So really it was a, a day like any other in this overall battle. But on this particular day, it says that Jonathan, Saul's son, he turns to look at his armor bearer and, and he says, come and let us go over to the Philistines' garrison that is on the other side. So he's, he, he sets his sight on this garrison of the Philistines and what a garrison was, it was a, it was a, a specific fortified area that was positioned in such a way so that a small group of people could hold off a much bigger force. And, and if we were to read later on, we find out there are about 20 men in this garrison. And in, in verse 5, it specifically kind of describes the situation that it's set in. It's between two large, sharp-pointed rocks. So it's in this fortified position. There's 20 men there. And Jonathan turns to his armor bearer one day in the, the course of the battle and says, you know what, let's, let's go up to this garrison. He sets his eyes on it. And it says there at the end of the verse, though, that no one else knows about it except for him and his armor bearer. He's not, he's not trying to, to go out and make a name for himself. Um, I, just, I just love so much um, the character of Jonathan. We don't get a lot of time with him in God's word, but he was just an incredible person. He was humble, he was, he was brave, he was just admirable in so many ways. And he wasn't out here just trying to make a name for himself. His idea wasn't, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna teach these Philistines a lesson and I'm gonna make a name for myself. I'm not just gonna be my, my dad's son. He, he, he wasn't trying to get glory out of the situation. He just knew that there was a garrison and, and he believed that it was something that the Lord would have him and his armor bearer go up and, and, and try to take to the best of their abilities. And so we get down to verse 6. And again, it kind of repeats some of that. It returns back to the scene. And he tells them, let's, let's go up to the garrison of these uncircumcised in verse 6. And he says this. And, and I love his attitude. And I love this statement. It's one of my favorite, one of my favorite statements in, in the Old Testament. He says this. It may be that the Lord will work for us. For there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. So Jonathan, as he has his eyes set on this garrison, this fortified position, and he has, he has this desire to take it, not for his own glory, but, but to see victory for his people and for the people of God, he, he says to his armor bearer, you know what, there's this garrison here, and, and this is a situation, really, that God could do something great. He said, there is, there is, there is no restraint to the Lord. The idea of there being no restraint is this. 
that, that God isn't limited by the circumstances. He's not restrained. It's almost like he doesn't have one arm tied behind his back because, because as, as a people, as a nation, we're, we're losing this battle. Because, you know, the, the situation was desperate. It was, it, was, it was dire for the nation of Israel. To all accounts, humanly speaking, they, they were on the brink of losing this and, and really being in subjugation possibly to the Philistines once again as they'd been throughout their history off and on. But, but Jonathan, he doesn't, he doesn't test whether or not God can do something great by the circumstances that he found himself in. He, 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 wasn't, he realized that God, God, as bad as it looked for Israel, as bad as it looked for his people, those circumstances, they didn't limit God. He wasn't restrained by him. And that, that God was the kind of God that's able to save by many or by few. It, it, God, doesn't, God, God doesn't need a lot of help to get things done because, because he's an unlimited God. He, he's not limited. He's, there's no restraint with him. God isn't up here, up there in heaven, even as we look around at our nation. And in a lot of ways as Christians, doesn't it almost seem like sometimes we're on our heels and we're, we're being backed into a corner because so much of, of what we've seen happen, maybe even in the last few years culturally, it really seems like sometimes we can be on our back heels. And, and like we've got one arm tied behind our back where we just find ourselves in, in some desperate circumstances as, as, as culture sometimes seems like it's turning on us. Maybe even, even your friends or your coworkers or the place you live, they're... they're any number of circumstances in our lives that can make us feel like we're trapped, like we're backed against the wall. But the incredible thing about God is, is God never finds himself in that position. God is not restrained. He's not limited by regardless of how bleak the circumstances may look to us for, for us, ourselves individually or for a family or for a church or even, even for a, a larger group of people. God isn't limited by those circumstances. He's not, he's not restrained by that. And that's something that Jonathan had his eyes fixed on. And it was, it was through that mentality, through his, his faith and his belief that God was, was not limited by the circumstances, that there was no restraint with him, that, that Jonathan does what he does and really steps out in faith. So he looks at his armor bearer in verse 7 and or his armor bearer turns to him in verse 7 and he says I, I'm with you Jonathan which that's, that's incredible in itself when when God gives your pastor a vision you should be like Jonathan's armor bearer and you should say I'm with you pastor if if God's given you vision to do this and this is from the Lord and for his glory and not for your own then I'm with you do all that it's in your heart and that should be that should be your your position as as, as supporting your pastor or or whether you're you're supporting your family or whatever it is it should be I, I'm with you if this is for the Lord and it and and it's for him, then I'm with you. So the, his armor bearer says this. And then in verse 8, then said Jonathan, behold, and he, this, is, this, is, this is the plan that he has. He said, behold, we will pass over unto these men and we will discover ourselves unto them. If they say thus unto us, tarry until we come to you, then we will stand still in our place and will not go up unto them. But if they say thus, come up, come up unto us, then we will go up for the Lord hath delivered them into our hand. And this shall be a sign unto us. So, so Jonathan tells his armor bearer, this is what we're going to do. And I, I even, I, I appreciate his, his, his game plan. Jonathan, he wasn't trying to be crafty. It was really a very straightforward plan. He didn't say, well, you know what? There's no restraint with God. He's not limited by the circumstances. So this is how I'm going to get the job done. Jonathan really, he puts himself where, where, where all the impetus is on God to do something great. He says, okay, we're going to go up to the garrison and we're going to discover ourselves. Literally, his, his, the, the, the goal was this. We're going to get there, and then we're going to let them know that we're there. It wasn't, it wasn't a sneak attack. He wasn't trying to get the job done in his own might or in his own craft. He was really just, we could say, putting the ball in God's court because he had faith in, in the God that he was serving. So he said, we're going to go there. We're going to discover ourselves to them. And if they tell us, come up here, 
then we're going to take that as a sign that God's with us and he wants us to take this garrison. And if they say, stay down there, then we're going to stay down there. So, so, so really, Jonathan wouldn't have had largely God's word. What, what Jonathan was saying is, okay, we're going we're to take a step of faith for the Lord, and then we're going to see how he directs the situation. I, just, I love his mindset in this story. He's, he's not doing this for his own glory. He's not, he's not trying to get the job done in his own craft or his own might. He's really just keeping his eyes focused on who God is, and he's taking a, a step of faith with the knowledge that God isn't limited. And then he's saying, and then once we get to that point, we're going to see how God leads next. If they say, come up here, we're going to take that as God's direction to come up. And if they say, stay down there, we're going to take that as God's direction to stay down there. So they put themselves in this position. And in verse 11, it says this. And both of them, Jonathan and his armor bearer, both of them discovered themselves under the garrison of the Philistines. And the Philistines said, this is the Philistines' response, Behold, the Hebrews come forth out of the holes where they have hid themselves. And there were actually a number of, of Israelites that were doing exactly that. They were hiding in holes or wherever they could away from the Philistine army. So the Philistines see these two guys come up and they don't know who they are. And they say, well, look at this. The, the Israelites are popping out of the ground like gophers, basically. They, they, they were really just poke, poking fun at them and they continue to do this. And, and then so they say in verse 12, And the Marist men of the garrison answered Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, come up to us and we will show you a thing. So really they're just taunting. They're saying, hey, why don't you, why don't you come up here and let us, let us learn you something or we'll, 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 we'll teach you something if you come up here. And, and, and that, was, that was the signal that Jonathan said, if they call us up to them, we're going to take that as God directing us to go forward in faith and, and, to, and to, to accomplish this. And so they said this, and Jonathan looks over at his armor bearer, and he said unto his armor bearer, Come up after me, for the Lord hath delivered them into the hand of Israel. And so Jonathan climbed up upon his hands and upon his feet, and his armor bearer after him, and they fell before Jonathan, and his armor bearer slew after him. And that first slaughter which Jonathan and his armor bearer made was about 20 men within, as it were, a half acre of land, which a yoke of oxen might plow. We'll stop there for a second. So Jonathan and his armor bearer, they climb up to this garrison. And, and God really just, in this incredible way, delivers this group of 20 men into Jonathan and his armor bearer's hands. And, and they all get killed. But the story goes on from there. We're not going to read it. But it isn't just this garrison that falls. But this is really a, 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 a kind of domino effect, a linchpin. And the whole tide of the battle gets changed. God, God uses this. And this, this really, this kind of earthquake situation happens. And there's this trembling among the, the people of the Philistines. And they get to the point where they turn on each other. And they start smiting each other. And they're running for their lives. And the Israelites who've previously been hiding or in other places come out. And they start chasing them. And, and what was this really bleak, dire, desperate circumstance? And this battle where God's people are on their back heels. It turns into this incredible victory for the people of Israel and, 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 and for, for the Lord. It says specifically, uh, just a few verses later, that, that the victory was from the Lord. This, this wasn't something that, 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 that Jonathan got the glory for or that Saul got the glory for. This is something that, 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 that God did. And it's, it's, it's an incredible story. But, but something that's so incredible to me, and this is how God works throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament is God does incredible things because he's, he's not limited by the circumstances. He's not restrained by the situation. But he uses people to do that. And what are the kind of people that he uses? I mean, Jonathan happened to be the son of a king. But, but really, it was, it was not Jonathan's status that, that enabled God to use him in the way that he did. It was, it was Jonathan's faith in the Lord. It was, his, it was his view of who God was. It was his posture before him. 
Because Jonathan realized that regardless of what was going on around him, that, that God wasn't limited by it. And that he served an incredible God who could do incredible things and who wants to do incredible things. And he, he wants to use people to do that. He, he said of the Lord that he's able to save by many or by few. There are some, there are some it sounds like some awesome decisions made by the teens this past week at camp. And, 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 and it's, such, it's such a beautiful thing to just surrender yourself to what God wants you to do. And, and, you know, there's no telling what the Lord wants to do in and through you as you've made those decisions in light of who God was. And, and he, he's not restrained by your circumstances once you go back to high school, if you go to public high school, or, or once you return to whatever situation you find yourself in. And he's able and he wants to do incredible things through you regardless of, of where you find yourself. But it's not just the teens. It's not that God only wants to use young people who've gone to a week of camp. God wants to use men and women. And you know, you might find yourself, you might say, well, you don't know, you don't understand my circumstances. You don't understand my, my relationship in my family or, 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 or my past or my struggles. You don't, there, there's any number of situations you can find yourself in. Because there are times that as, as even God's people, we find ourselves on our heels in, in, in dire circumstances. But, you know, God, God's familiar with, with those circumstances as desperate and dire as they may seem, seem and, and he's not limited by them. And, and he can do incredible things that only God can do in those situations. And he's able to save by many or by few. But, but he wants to do that using people. I, I don't understand why God chooses to use fallen, frail people. To, to, to accomplish his work, but that's what he does. That's what he makes clear throughout, throughout scriptures. But, but he, he chooses to use people, and the Bible tells us that he's looking for people who are humble, who, who, who acknowledge that the source of power and strength isn't within themselves, but who realize that they serve an incredible God who isn't limited. And then, in light of that fact, who are willing to step out in faith and, and then to follow God's direction, because that's what Jonathan did, right? Now, the, the, the moral isn't, so step out in faith and, and come up with some, some harebrained scheme about how you're going to accomplish something great from God. What did Jonathan do? He said, well, there's a garrison there, and I know I serve an incredible God, so I'm going to take a step of faith. And then, and then what was the next thing he decided to do? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put the ball on God's court, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow his next direct step of direction. And you and I, we don't have to, we don't have to cast lots to find, discern God's will, do we? We don't have to lay out fleeces like Gideon did. We don't have to set up circumstances because we, we have God's direction, don't we? We have his word. And God is able to do great things, and he wants to do great things in your life. But what he's looking for is people who will humble themselves before him, acknowledge how great and how all-powerful he is, and then to step out in faith and follow his direction in that situation. And, you know, regardless of how, how dire the circumstances might seem, how the cards seem stacked against you or your family or, or whatever situation might be here in this room represented in, in Berean Baptist Church, but, but God isn't limited by those circumstances. And, 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 and he is able to do something great, not so that you can look like a super Christian, but so that he can get the glory. And what he's called us to do is to humble ourselves before him, to acknowledge who he is, and then to take, out, take a step of faith and then to continue to follow his direction that he's given us in his word. And, and, and if you'll do that, there, there is literally no telling what God can do because he's able to save by many or by few. Now, that, 
And I, another thing that's worth noting is that Jonathan, he, he realized who God was, but he didn't say, so I'm going to go and I'm going to whip up the whole army of the Philistines myself. He set his eyes on one garrison, didn't he? Where there was one particular area that he realized that, you know, by God's grace and for God's glory and through his empowering, me and my armor bearer can take this garrison. I, I'm not advising that you, you go and you, you charge America with a, with, with, with a squirt gun in your Bible, but, but I'm, I'm confident that you can, there's a garrison probably in your life, and there's an area that, that probably God has laid before you, maybe before you as a team this week or a worker there, or maybe there's a specific struggle or garrison in your life that you know is there that, 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 that's been a, a, a previously seeming unassailable and fortified position in your life. But because you serve an incredible God who's not limited, if, if, if you'll keep your eyes focused on an unlimited God and step out in faith and follow his direction, there's, there's no telling what he could do and what he wants to do through you. And, and you know, that was, that, was, that was the step that Jonathan and his armor bearer took. Though what was so beautiful is, is, is after that, this domino effect happened and it turned into this great victory for the whole nation of Israel. And just like that, there's no telling, teen, if you follow through, and by God's grace, keeping your eyes focused on him, if you follow through on that decision and, and you continue in that way, it'll, it'll affect your life. But there's no telling the way it'll affect your family. And there's no telling the way it could affect Berean Baptist Church and, and, the, and the domino effect of lives that, that, that could continue to be influenced by your decision of faith and to follow God's direction. Not so that you can look like a super Christian, but so God can get the glory. So, so what I'd like to just encourage and challenge you with is, is as we, we head over to Manchester, England, in so many ways, you saw the video, you live near Seattle. It's not a place where they're just hungering and thirsting for righteousness and for someone to tell them about the Lord. But, but God's given us a passion and a burden to, to go there and, and follow his leadership and step out in faith. And though we might not see the entire city saved, there are, there are garrisons and there are lives of men and women who need the gospel. But it's not just in Manchester, and it's not just among the teens. It, 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 wherever you find yourself, there are lives and there are situations that, if we're being honest, that, that they just need an unlimited God to step in. But, but he's, he's chosen to use people to, to, that, are, that have their eyes fixed on who he is. And, and for his glory, will take a step of faith and follow his direction. Because there is no restraint with God to save by many or by few. Let's pray. Dear Lord, help us to have the view of life that Jonathan did, Lord. And even in the desperate circumstances he found himself in as a person belonging to the nation of Israel in this dark time, Lord, that he didn't keep his focus on his circumstances, but he kept his focus on an unlimited God. And then he stepped out in faith and followed your direction to, to do something for your glory. Would you help that to be our posture and our outlook on life? Whether it be as the, the, a husband and a head of a household or a, a grandparent with multiple generations that need to be pointed towards you or be a teen with fire burning in their heart from what they received at camp this week, Lord. Help the people of Berean Baptist even as they step forward into an, another year. Lord, as a church, to, to follow Brother Reno's leadership and to be like armor bearers that would say, do what's in your heart, Pastor, and we're with you and we're behind you if it's for God's glory.
Lord, I'm confident that whether or not we see all the results this side of heaven, that if we'll step out in faith and follow your direction, that, that you'll do great things for your namesake because you're an unlimited God. We thank you and, and praise you for being so steadfast and so all-powerful and so, so other than all the craziness we see in the world around us. I ask all these things in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Brother Reno.